Ladies and gentlemen, we have a treat today on the show, Tim Grover. Tim is a world-renowned mindset expert. He's a coach and a trainer. He is someone who has worked with some of the most incredible people on this planet in Michael Jordan, Kobe Bryant, Dwayne Wade, and hundreds of other sports and business professionals. Tim is the preeminent authority on the science and art of physical and mental dominance. He is the author of a national bestseller, Relentless, From Good to Great to Unstoppable, and the creator of digital training platform called The Relentless System. He's also the CEO of Attack Athletics, a former NCAA Division I basketball player at the University of Illinois, Chicago, and was inducted into the UIC Hall of Fame and received its Lifetime Achievement Award in 2010. In addition to writing, nowadays he also spends his time on a variety of stages around the world about a winner's mindset and the lessons he's learned over his incredible career. I'm so grateful to have Tim on the show today. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Tim Grover to the Rise Together podcast. What would the world look like if we all pushed ourselves to have candid conversations with people who didn't look like us, think like us, or live like us? I'm Dave Hollis, and I'm on a mission to learn more about this world by meeting more of the people who live here. You may not always agree with everything you hear, but I guarantee you'll come away more informed on topics you might never have thought to seek out before. This isn't just a podcast, it's a community. And when we raise each other up, we all rise, together. David, how are you? Thank you for that uh, unbelievable introduction. You know what's funny when, he, when I hear that introduction, when you start your path down to winning or whatever you want to do, you never realize all the things that are possible that you can actually that you can actually accomplish. And then you hear all these things, and it's like, wow, I actually I've actually done a few things in my life. <laughs> you know what's great? This is an this is a perfect place to start because I read Relentless, and I want to talk a little bit about it. But I I have myself at times been confronted with believing in my own greatness. And it is interesting when you get to read your own resume or bio, you sit with someone else who might reflect on some of the impact you've had on their life that, oh, wow, you might be convinced that you are worthy of the greatness that you, in fact, are worthy of. But as you've worked with people, is believing that you can or believing that you're worthy a, a first place you got to start? Well, you have to, but there's got to be more than belief, you know, because the way the world is set up right now and it's been set up like this for years, is we look for other individuals to believe in ourselves. We forget to believe in our own selves because we're looking for everybody else to validate us. We take so much of the information from outside and we try to make, we make it our own. And I always say, listen, your obligation to yourself has to be greater than anybody else's obligation to you. And then people talk about dreams all the time and you know everything that you've done, everything that I've done, all right, they all started with a dream, but you can't wait for somebody else to believe in your dreams. They have their own dreams. You gotta believe in your own, you gotta believe in what you believe in. Everybody else is chasing their own dreams. They're chasing their own success. They're chasing their own goals. You have to believe in what you have the ability to accomplish and you have to be realistic about it. You have to be realistic about it. 
Okay, before we get too far, I did do a little introduction of you, but for anyone who's new to Tim Grover, who you are, why you're here on this planet, can you, in your own words, just give a little bit of kind of where you've been and how you find yourself doing the work that you do today? Well, I've been fortunate enough to work with some of the greatest athletes and business minds of our time. You know, it's funny, Michael Jordan was actually my first professional client. Well, how wild is that? I know exactly how wild is that, but everything I did before that laid the foundation for if and when that opportunity arised. And it was an individual that I got a chance to work with. He believed in my philosophy. He believed in what I had to say. He gave me 30 days to prove if I was all talk or is there actually some action behind and results behind what I can do and what I'm saying. And 30 days turned into 15 years, you know? And then from there, I was blessed to work with, you know, hundreds of other athletes in various sports. You know, my biggest uh, clients are in, the bas- are in the basketball field. There's Michael Jordan, there's Kobe Bryant, there's Dwayne Wade, and hundred, hundreds of others. And that allowed me to understand their mindset because in order to achieve what they achieved, you can't think like everybody else. You just can't. You can't think like everybody else. You can't act like everybody else. And, you know, we talk about this. I know we're talking about relentless, but in the new book, Winning, we talk about how different scares people. It really, really does. You know, you look at yourself of what you did. You decided to take a, you were, you had a great job, great opportunity. You were extremely successful at that. And you said, I'm going to do something different, right? And that part from reading your history and reading, it scared you and it scared people. But most individuals that it scares, they're like, I'm not going to do this. So they go back to what they're being comfortable with. These individuals and the people that are extremely successful, they always want what's next. They know they need to do something different. They need to be challenged. They know it's going to be scary. Because if it isn't scary, it's not big enough for them. They're not gro- I mean, they're likely not growing. They're not becoming. They're not evolving. And each of these people, and I'm going to guess many listeners, are interested in becoming and yet still resist a little bit of that tension of going into a space that's new or different because of it being scary and unknown. But that's right. what you're saying is part of how you can become. Yeah? You have to do it. You know, you look at everything that's going on now, all the successful people in the tech industry before everything, it all started with an idea and a concept. They're like, you know what? Hey, I'm going to, I'm going to go do, I'm going to go do this. Well, with you, he said, I'm going to go do a podcast. All right. I'm assuming when you started your podcast, you didn't quite have the following and the listeners that you had now, but you're like, this is what I want to do. All right. I know there's going to be individuals out there that I have to deal with that are going to say, no, they're not going to like my content, but I know this is my challenge. This is my difference, you know? And there's this thing about people too often now rest in the middle. You got to rest at the end. We have too many times where people rest in the middle. You, you take a pause in the middle to catch your breath, you know? But you can't, you, you can't rest because if you rest too long, you're going to end up stuck in the middle. And how many individuals do we know where the middle is their biggest comfort zone? Because that's where the majority of the people are. 
That's where you get to see the group of individuals. That's where you get to see many individuals that are like-minded like you, but like-minded in the wrong way. They're like-minded with the comfort. What's interesting is I just, I just turned in my next book and I story told a little of my experience at Disney and watching the difference between Blockbuster and Netflix mm-hmm. in that the idea of there being an insurgent mentality and an incumbent mentality were things that governed these two at the time, people trying to win the wallets of people at home enjoying content. And Blockbuster had been this incumbent business that had done things the same way for a long, long time. And didn't think so much about the future of how technology or consumption patterns or any of it might require that they push them in themselves into some uncomfortable spaces where Netflix was just that insurgent. They were trying to forage new ways of doing things inside of new spaces. And one of them obviously is now, you know, a few hundred billion dollars worth of a company and the other has one store in Alaska. So there is something in the business world that I think is also practically applicable to people who are, feeling that tug to step into something new, but are nervous what it might mean to embody that insurgent mentality. Yeah, you have to, you're supposed to be nervous. It's supposed to be different. That's what challenges the body. Listen, resistance, you work out, uh, you know, individuals that work out, all right? How does that, how does a body change? Through resistance, through growth, or through challenge. Well, that's the same way you grow as an individual. That's the same way you continue to win. That's the same way your brain gets challenged through resistance, through being pushed, through being challenged. I, I've never met a great individual at what they do at certain points, no matter how many times they've done it over and over again, feel a little nervous. They, you're supposed to feel nervous. You know why you feel nervous? Because you have a new level of standards every time you challenge yourself. Yeah. Like, I did it this well. Now the next time I want to do it, I want to do it even better. You know, you look at, I don't know how many podcasts you've done over, over the years. You'll never remember the really, really great ones, but the ones that you just, you forgot to ask a question or you didn't hit a point or something happened. That one sticks, that one sticks with you. That, but most people, when that thing sticks with them, they stop. Winning stops. Yeah. What's interesting is I, I read Relentless at a time that I was in the midst of transition, right? It was just after I'd left Disney. I'm just now going to start doing this new thing. I feel comfortable and confident on the outside that, yep, I'm leaving my career for my calling. I'm going to go do this new work. It may not make sense to others, but it makes sense to me. And I read the book. And to be honest, it was challenging for me. Because the call to stand into what you describe in the book of being a cleaner, there's the cooler, the closer, the cleaner. I'd love for you to just give a little overview for listeners. Sure. And by the way, people should you know read uh, Relentless, but we're going to also talk about Winning, which is the next book that's coming out. But will you just talk a little bit about that difference in how people can tend to be? Because for me, it was very much a, a call to stand into this thing that I knew I needed to do, even though it was so uncomfortable and so triggering and so jarring for me. So we talk, I talk about, I categorize individuals into three different categories. I divide them into coolers, I divide them into closers, and I divide them into cleaners. And the best way to kind of describe each individual is a cooler is an individual that reads a story. Those are the individuals 
that know every, listen to every single podcast, read every self-help book, follow every every motivational guru on social, on social media. They're constantly always reading different stories. And so they, they're jumping from one individual to the next, to the next, to the next, to the next, to the next. They are a plethora of information, but they don't know how to use the information. They're confused because they have too much information and they don't know which direction to go in and they don't give it enough time to be like, let me put this into play here and let me see if this works before I completely change directions. Then you have a closer. A closer is an individual that likes to tell the story. They love to talk about their successes all the time. And it could be a success that happened four years ago. You know, I have individuals that are still celebrating their championships in their sports. And that was 10, 12 years ago, though, because everything that's not successful to them is always somebody else's fault or it's always a situation. There's all, it wasn't the right time. I wasn't on the right team. I didn't know the right people. Well, so they always have someone else to blame. A cleaner is an individual that changes the story. And every individual has the ability to change their story. We have too many people and we have tons of people that will be listening to this. They're letting someone else write their story for them. And they want that individual to change the story. You have to take that power back. You have to take that control. You have to take that control back. Listen, is it going, is it going to be perfect? It's not going to be perfect. We've all grown up with fairy tales. <laughs> Every single fairy tale that you've watched, that you've read as a kid or your kids are watching, there's a lot of lessons in there. There's a lot of up and down. There's a lot of up and downs. All right. So even if you're looking for your, everyone's looking for their fairy tale ending, but what's in the beginning, the middle, the two thirds of that fairy tale that you have to go through to have the ability to change your story. You have to take responsibility, right? Like you have to take personal responsibility for your role in architecting that story. That responsibility comes with dropping excuses, not letting the things that you could cling to that would allow you to not have to take that kind of responsibility or accountability and just commit to doing the work that's necessary to actually create the story that you want. And that also, and I think this is just like a part of our humanity that you stop looking for shortcuts, looking for some trick, looking for some, some guru that's going to give you the magic bullet that's going to make it all work perfectly because making the choice is the first hard decision of a series of hard choices that are going to inevitably come in your journey to whoever you're becoming. And it just takes a, a real understanding of what you're willing to do, the kind of planning you put together to get there, and then actually doing it. I, I, am I making it too simple? No, you're not. That's a thing. It is very simple. This, it's just people make things a lot more complex because it gives them an out. It gives them an out. You know, you have to you have to commit. You know, you said doing the things that are necessary. I always say the reason I got to where I'm at, it's not because of the things I did, because I knew what I had to do. It had a lot to do with the things I didn't do. I didn't do, you know, when everybody was out partying, hanging out with the friends, doing this, I stayed focused on, on, on what my end result, uh, on what my end result was. 
right, when everybody else was like, hey, you need to take some time off on the weekend. I was studying the films of the best athletes out there to see how their movement patterns were. So it's the things that I decided not to do allowed me to do the things that I wanted to do. So people make these decisions, yes, these are the things I'm going to do. But this, when you make that commitment, there's another list that comes with it of all the things. Once you commit to something, these are the things you're not going to be able to do. It's a serious set of guardrails that tell, you know, like I, I've started with, what do I stand for? And that becomes as much a list of what I don't stand for. You know, like, right. who do I want to be? It's a, as much a list of who I don't want to be. I, 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 can, I completely agree. And the great thing is just what you just said, there's who you want to be. So many times we try to be what somebody else wants us to be. And there's no commitment in it. You're so committed into being somebody else. Well, if you're committing yourself to change and your success, you have to be who you are. You have to know exactly who you are. And Dave, in this world, all the people you associate with, how many individuals do you know, honestly, that know exactly who they are? It's tough because and there's so much dogma that people are chasing the, the the way that other people would have you believing you have to be. It's a it's a dangerous little carrot that gets dangled in front of all of us and resisting that as it ends up being that that thing that you talked about at the beginning. This willingness to be different is in some ways a departure from what society might say or some programming from the way you were brought up or whatever it might be that says, nope, I'm going to stay true to myself, even though and as it makes other people uncomfortable, even as it makes myself uncomfortable, because I know that I'm being true to myself. Yes. And, you know, when people get in a relationship, when they get in a relationship with themselves, relationship with other individuals, the first thing they always ask for is honesty. So be honest. Well, when you start being honest with that person, what happens? <laughs> they don't like you anymore. You know, everybody wants to hear the truth until it's time to hear the truth. And a lot of those conversations you need to have is you need to have those conversations with yourself. And those are the hardest conversations because your friends will tell you, you know, they're there to comfort you. Majority of your friends are there to comfort you. They're going to tell you it's going to be okay. You know, we'll try it again. And I always says, if your best friend is an individual that constantly tells you everything is gonna be okay, you need to find a new best friend. Your best friend shouldn't be so friendly. I think one of the things too, when it comes to comfort or discomfort, one of the things I've found that has been so powerful, and I know it's just everywhere in your work, and I'm sure in the work that you've done with all of these amazing people, is the idea of pushing yourself beyond the bounds of what you think yourself to be capable of, so that you, in the, in the doing that, are able to reframe what you believe yourself to be capable of. I have become a longer distance runner. I've now climbed a mountain. I'm training for an Ironman. And these things, as much as they are my attempt to push myself beyond my previous belief in what I can do physically, it's also training my mind to see that I'm capable of things that go beyond what I think I can do so that on the other side, I'm able to reframe what I think I can do. How important is this idea of pushing ourselves out into these, whatever your definition of, of different or discomfort ends up looking like to the work that we're trying to accomplish in mindset? It's so, it's so important because you want to get yourself out of your, you want to get yourself out of your comfort zone. Listen, the brain is built to survive and to create comfort. 
That's what it's built for. All right. I mean, listen, we can get into all the neuroscience and all that other stuff. And I'm sure you've had tons of individuals that are way more qualified than I am that can talk to you about the science of that stuff. But in a nutshell, that's what the brain is built for. What happens when you want to achieve winning, when you want to achieve greatness, when you want to be relentless? It's all being uncomfortable. So now you're literally taking a state that the body is designed and the mind is designed to be in. And you want to do something totally, totally different. And that's where the discipline comes in. That's where a commitment comes in. That's where the hard work comes in. And all those things are still not going to guarantee you that you're going to get that end result. But not doing those things are definitely going to guarantee you that you're not going to get that end result. The mind, the mind doesn't have limitations. You know, it's funny. You see people in a workout you've ran your marathons and you've done all these things and you're training for the Ironman and all that, climbing the mountain. Most of the times people give up mentally before they give up physically. For sure. Yeah. They just like, I can't, I can't, I can't do, I can't do this anymore. Well, and you get somebody that just pushes them a little bit, pulls them a little bit. They take another step then they take another step. They take another step. Well, at some point you got to be able to take those steps on your own. You got to be able to, you have to be able to take those steps on your own. And I always say that for a lot of individuals, motivation is entry level because it's when somebody else is lighting your fire. All right, we all need that from time to time. I, I get it. I get it. But winning and being relentless is about elevation. And elevation comes from, it, it's internal. It's your mindset to say, hey, I can do, I can do more. I know I can do better. I know there's more. I know there's more out there. So let me ask this because we deal with a lot of interestingly mixed feelings around pursuing something for ourselves. And the idea of selfishness is something that can at times creep into a conversation when it feels like we're being called into something that might make other people in our lives uncomfortable, may disrupt the status quo, challenge some societal norm. But I think you have something of a hypothesis that selfishness and greatness are intertwined. And I want to unpack it a little bit so that we might give permission to people, if you are listening to this and interested in something more, that you may in fact also have to be somewhat selfish in a good way to get there. Yes, yes. And you know what? It's one of the it's one of the big topics we talk about in the new book. You know, we say winning is selfish. All right. And people all say, well, why is it selfish to take care of yourself? Why is that a bad thing? Well, why is that a bad thing? We just give it we just give it names so it doesn't sound so bad. You know, there's like, okay, me time, man cave, girls night out. That's all about you, isn't it? That's all about the individual, but it doesn't sound selfish. It doesn't sound selfish, but all those things are necessary. All those things are necessary. There's nothing wrong with taking care of yourself. You know, no one says anything when you go work out, that's exercising. Oh, that person is taking care of, their, taking care of themselves. When people say, I'm gonna go, uh, I need my meditation time. That's alone time. So why is it when you ask for things not in that norm or don't have those words behind it that actually allow you to take care of yourselves? How can you take care of other individuals 
if you don't make yourself a priority. You can't pour. You can't pour from an empty cup, and uh, you know, like there, there's something interesting. Like there's a there's a tug that exists between the hush, the hustle and grind culture, and the take care of yourself, self care mandate that might might be the only thing that actually unlocks the ability to actually hustle towards something that is greater. They can't not exist together, and and I think people miss that a little bit, and the 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 way that sometimes there is a celebration of the hustle and a demonization of the rest or the self-care is just, it, it doesn't make sense because you can't keep going on the days when it gets hard. You can't show up for other people in the way that they'd hope to have you show up if you're not taking care of yourself first. And exactly, you, you when I go to a meeting or I go to a podcast or whatever it is to train my clients, they want to see all of me. They want to see the best version of myself that particular day. So if I don't create some self time for myself, how can I give that to any, how can I give that to anybody else? You know, we're in a society now where like sleep deprivation, it, it, it's like, like a sign of achievement. And it actually isn't. It actually isn't. It's what are you doing in those times? Listen, we've all had to cram for tests and we've all gone through those, those different things. But if you're constantly in the state of sleep deprivation, your results, your health, it's going to suffer. It is going to suffer. Then when that happens, you, you think to yourself, I need to have more time for myself. Well, what you're saying is I should have been more selfish earlier. Yeah. I, I've been working a lot in mindset to be prepared for the inconsistent, varying emotional things that end up coming up in my life. And I know you've talked a lot about a winner's mindset needing to be stronger than their feelings, mm -hmm. right? I, I, I find myself unable to predict feelings, but <laughs> able to engineer mindset, right? And so I think that there is a big difference. And for someone who is wondering, well, how the heck do you prepare yourself for that day when you feel X, Y, or Z, mindset to me has been a bit of a hack to try and allow myself to maintain equilibrium irrespective of the emotional state that may be presented to me against my wishes because that's just the way Thursdays are gonna show up sometimes. Sure. Every day you get to make a decision. You don't know if that day, if it's gonna wear a halo or it's gonna have fangs. And part of your day may have a halo and the other part of the day they have fangs. You got to be ready to deal with both. You got to be ready to deal with for both. And if you're not ready to deal with both, how do you deal with both? You have to make your mind stronger than your feelings. You think about almost every poor decision that you've made in your life. It was probably geared more towards feelings than it was mind. And every tough decision you've made in your life that's gotten you to where you want to be, that's gotten you a step closer to winning, it was a mindful decision. You may have hurt people, but it was the right, it was the right decision to make during that time. When you think, I mean, you've had so many extraordinary experiences with some of these like greatest known athletes of all time, and many of the people listening are not the greatest athletes of all time. I mean, I'd love to think that Dwayne is listening now, but uh, you know, how do you take the, those experiences of these exceptional athletes and make them 
practical to everyday human beings like myself and our listeners when it comes to reaching for personal success? No one's going to play basketball like the individuals that I've described. Right, no one's going to throw, no one's going to be a quarterback like Tom Brady. But the mindset of being able to win, being able to conquer things, being able to do things over and over again, how to handle adversity, that ability is in all of us. That's why I want you to take from these individuals. They have issues just like we do. They got problems at work. They have family issues. They have relationship issues. They, some of them have issues with their parents. Some of them make a tremendous amount of money and they still struggle with acceptance and financial issues. So what I want you to say, but what they do, don't do is when it's time to perform, they don't bring that with them. And too many times we bring unnecessary baggage with us. We bring unnecessary baggages to the places where we shouldn't be bringing them to. The ability to win, the ability to succeed is in all of us. Winning is everywhere, every single minute. And these individuals know that. That's what they want you to know that. You want to be able to have the potential to recognize an opportunity. And just like you said, push yourself and let go of the insecurities. Let go of the fear. Stop listening to what others are telling you and make your own decision. So you can get the win, then you get the next win, and then you get the next win, and you get the next win. That's how you become like these individuals. The challenges are constantly there. You're always looking to figure out a way to make yourself better. And the best thing about these individuals, they have the shortest memories. They don't forget. They don't forget, but they don't think about it. Because if you're thinking about it all the time, how can you be in the moment? That's good. That's good. What's, what I thought was great too, in both books, whether it's relentless, you're trying to become unstoppable, whether it's winning in this race to greatness, each of them, right? The definition of uh, being relentless or the definition of winning can apply at the NBA level and can apply to being the best parent, can apply to being the, the best teacher, the best whatever you are, right? The idea of wanting to be relentless or wanting to win isn't about empire building necessarily, though it could, but it's about you being true to who you are and showing up in the very, very best way that you can to honor who you're here to be. Exactly. Listen, everybody thinks winning and being relentless is about the success of money and financial. It's not. It could be that school teacher that says, I'm not leaving any student behind. I'm not, I'm not leaving any student behind. It's the person that <laughs> works at a pet facility and just like that's, that's what they're a cleaner at. That's their moments of winning, you know, to take care of something that can't take care, take care of themselves. So that's why I said there's wins. You see wins inside yourself every day. They're, they're out there. They're out there. But everybody, the way society puts things is, that winning is only associated with the shiny things, with the big houses and the big planes and the big cars and all that other stuff. And you know as well as I do, majority of those individuals are some of the most unhappiest individuals out there. 
Now, some of them are extremely happy. Are extremely happy. I'm not saying all, but that winning and happiness and success is what it means to you. Yeah, I, to, I, I have in this last year, man, I've done some soul searching. And the thing I keep coming back to is this question, how do I feel about myself when I'm by myself? And my ability to have created integrity with my having given my very best and knowing it when my head hits the pillow that night, that is when I feel the best about myself. That is my definition of winning. That's my definition of success. Every day, a little bit better than I was the day before for knowing that I gave everything that I could and did the best that I, that I could in that day. And I, man, I want to encourage anyone who's listening, your definition of winning may just be progress. One, one small thing that's a little bit better tomorrow than it is today for having found a way to go from good to great to unstoppable. I, there, there, there's something in each of us that begs to have that come out. It's part of what I love about your, your work, Tim, because you encourage people to believe in it and then identify, well, what's it going to take to actually get there and do it? And then, you know, build that plan and go. Right. And that the last the word that you said at the end is the one people forget to do. Is go. Go. <laughs> yeah. Because you said, keep, you know, is it that simple? They forget the go part. You know, they have all these beautiful plans. They have numerous plans. All right. And that goes back to, you know, coolers, uh, closers, and cleaners. They're constantly reading the story. They're constantly reading the story. But in order to change the story, you got to go. Yeah. What's you interesting, you just go. said beautiful plans, which, which is interesting because it, it triggers something for me from, from winning, which is you say that winning is more about grit, not glamour, right? I think that we like sometimes will contort that winning is going to be this beautiful thing that just happens in a fairy tale-esque kind of way, but it's not always pretty, right? It's not, no, listen, the end result may be pretty, but everything involved to win, you think about your two big careers, uh, you could have these these movies coming out, everything that's this, all this stuff that's uh, that that's ha- that's happening. You're behind it. You're doing all these things. The grit that you put and the work you put in there, the end result is not good. You don't know if that movie's going to be a block. You've done all the studies. You've done all the beta tests. You've done all the all the stuff, but you still had to go. You still had to go. Well. You still had to fit. You had to figure out. So it's the grit. It's the grind. And that doesn't guarantee you success. You know, we talk about this in the winning book. People always talk about the grind. They love talking about the grind. Well, what happens if you constantly grind? It turn. There's no form to it. It literally turns into dust. It literally turns into dust. So what are you grinding for? What's the end result? What are you grinding for? All right. Yeah. What is it? And the grind is not fun. It is not fun. It is not. Everything that it takes for you to get to winning is not fun. Winning itself lets you hold on to it briefly because then you're already cha- Because by then, everyone looks for that key. You know, and this is why I say it's grit. Winning, there's no key to winning. And you hear this, you hear this all the time. What is the key to winning? There is no key to winning. It's this big old vault with this rusty combination lock where you can't see the numbers. They don't turn. That's the grind. Most people will stay there long enough to figure out one of the numbers, maybe two, but they won't stay there long enough 
to finish the thing at the end. Because what happens once you win? You got to do it again. You got to do it again. You got to do it again. You got to do again. The high is so high that you only get it again from winning. And in order to do that, what did you say? You have to be better each day. Yeah. What's uh, what's interesting here in this is I think there's plenty of us who have felt overwhelmed for the toil in the struggle and it taking longer than we would have liked and the tendency that some have to see that as a reason to stop instead of hunkering down and really letting that muscle break down so it can be built back up with more tenacity and more resilience and more strength that comes on the other side as you finally are able to get the mix together. There is something in a kind of this world that we live in where we want to try and have all of our things satisfied immediately that doesn't really pay homage to the work that it takes to stay inside of something that isn't producing immediate results. And that yes. I'm going to argue is part of how you end up growing into this version of who you'd hope to be or winning on the other side is just staying in the stuck for the length of time that it takes to get unstuck. It's the unforgiving race to greatness. It's the unforgiving race to winning. And the race to greatness and to winning has no rules to protect you. It doesn't have any rules to protect you. No. It's not going to say you're, go you're not going to lose. It's not going to say that you're not going to get hurt on the way. It's not going to say that you've done all this work and the end result is not coming. There is no guarantee. Someone else will get a job who's less talented than you are. And you did all the work that's necessary to get to that, that point, right? There's nothing that says that if you do all these things that you're gonna be guaranteed success, you're gonna be guaranteed, you're gonna guarantee a win. It's just not gonna, it's not gonna happen. And people look for guarantees because what did you say? Instant gratification is a guarantee. You get it right then, you get it right now. But the investment in yourself, the investment in the grind, the investment in your mindset, the investment in making yourself better, that's a long payoff. That's a long, it's, it doesn't happen now. It just doesn't happen right away. We are obviously coming out of very strange times in this pandemic where our normal was upended and there was in that connection, community, the way that we've historically been able to lean on each other as a thing that was interrupted. And I think loneliness as a, as a thing now that exists pretty widespread, uh, it, there's, there's normalness in loneliness, but also maintaining mental clarity inside of loneliness feels like a hard thing. And yet I know it's something that you've spoken on quite a bit. Can you talk about a little bit how you reframe loneliness to get that mental clarity, especially coming out of a year like the one we've just come from? You know, you this go this goes back to being the being the selfish thing. When you're when you're in that moment of loneliness, it's a chance for you to have a conversation, a real conversation, numerous conversations, truthful conversations with why you're not getting the results, why you're where you are and where you want to be. Well, those conversations are also your mentors, and many times those are also your executioners, all right? And a lot of times you have to, when you're by yourself, you realize the things 
that you need to let go of so you can be that quote unquote better version of yourself. Loneliness is an area that allows you, if you use it correctly, your biggest growth can come during those times. Your biggest growth can come because you get a chance to understand and attack the individual that can take you to places that you want to go. And that's you. Yeah. That you understand, understanding yourself. Don't think of it as a time of loneliness. Think of a time as growth. Think of it as a time that's, that's needed. It, it's, a, it's a mental state. It's all how you perceive things. It's all how you think things. I've never known an individual that's excelled at anything and hasn't spent time by themselves. Excellence is lonely. It is lonely. It's lonely at the, you know, people always say it's lonely at the top. I won't say it's lonely at the top. There's less people at the top. Yeah. There's less people at the top. All right. There's a bunch of people in the middle. There's a bunch of people in the beginning. All right. But you got to You got to understand self in order to climb that mountain. Let's tell some fun stories or a couple of fun stories. Uh, I heard a fun story about a time that you and Kobe took your quote, darker sides to dinner. Will you tell me a little bit about, uh, <laughs> tell me about that. <laughs> so I didn't know whether you were going to go. I, I didn't, I didn't know whether you were going to go there or not. I was like, I was like, I was like, I wonder if Dave's going to go to the dark side or not. All right. But, so this is, good. so it was funny, you know, I always tell every individual here that I know that everyone has a dark side. And let me explain the dark side. When people think about dark side, they think about evil stuff. You know, they think about vampires and, you know, all this other stuff. And that's not, that's not what it is. Basically dark side is when you talked about loneliness, it's what keeps you going when nothing else will, when nothing else will. It's what's inside of you that's going to say, I'm going to continue to grow. I'm going to continue to fight. I'm going to continue to go after what I want, regardless of the circumstances, the situations, what people are saying around me. It, it, it's what's in you. It, it is what's so deep inside of you that you can, you control it. And then, so we were at a, we went to a rat, we went to a restaurant after, after a game. And then we asked for a table of four. And obviously it was just Kobe and myself and we sat at the table and two people recognized Kobe and they saw, they came over and they said, Hey, can we sit? Can we sit at the table? And both of I looked at each other and said, those seats are already taken. These guys have been, must be drinking a long time because we, we don't, we don't see it. We don't see anybody it says, no, those seats, those seats are, those seats are already taken. And those people didn't understand what we were talking about. And those seats are taken with the individuals that everybody loves to hide, but which is so essential to your success. It's the individuals that you don't want to talk to. It's the skeletons. It's the people that, that you can imagine that I, I want them to be at, I want them to be at dinner with me. It's the conversations that you're having with the ghosts, the friendly ghosts, the scary ghosts, those things. Cause in order to achieve that greatness, in order to achieve winning, you gotta accept all of you. You gotta accept all of you. Listen, in any relationship you're in, 
you have to, in order for that relationship to be successful, you have to accept all of that individual. And that doesn't mean you agree with them or you don't agree with them, but you have to accept, you have to accept all of it. So those chairs are, are left for the people, the individuals that we accept that others may not, that others may not see. I love that. Oh, it's so good. In, in this conversation of relationship and accepting all of you. I, there, I read an interesting book called Scary Close by a guy named Don Miller. And this idea of intimacy was a thing that like, I think all of us are in pursuit of, but the scary part of being close is letting someone see all of you in the hope that they will accept all of you. And if you are hiding any part of you, you are guaranteeing one thing, an absence of intimacy that will never allow you to be close. And there, I think is something beautiful, even in this story, like, all of us have a full mosaic of who we are and yet find ourselves afraid, insecure of letting someone that we love or crave love from to see all of us or the population at large. And yet that's the only way that we'll ever be seen fully, totally as ourselves. I love it. All right, next, next good story. Tell me about the time when uh, someone almost died in a pickup game, <laughs> Michael Jordan in your gym. <laughs> So, you know, we're obviously people know Michael is extremely competitive, extremely competitive. So this was we're getting him ready for an upcoming we're getting him ready for an upcoming season. And, you know, it's my job to find players that can run up and down with the court with him and that have somewhat of a high competitive and skill set. So we call different college players. Sometimes we call different pro, pro player. And we had one individual come down. And I don't tell them who, why they're coming in. They, they just think, hey, listen, come on, come on down. Now, and they, this individual got to see that he was actually going to be on the same court as Michael Jordan. So he runs back to the locker room and he pounds, I don't know how many uh, energy drinks. And then he comes out and he starts and he gets out on the basketball court and he's running up and down and going, all of a sudden I see him, I see him pass out. And I run up, I run up on the court and, you know, he's foaming at the mouth and I clean up the foam back then. So I start, start pumping him, give him, give him CPR. And Michael's standing, Michael's standing uh, over him. Uh, we finally get to, uh, and Michael goes, he goes, you know, I said, he's having a heart attack. And Michael goes, well, evidently. <laughs> so we get him going. He pop, he finally, he comes out, he, he gets out of it. You know, Michael looks at him and says, Hey, you doing okay? And he goes, you know, in his groggy, groggy voice, he goes, yeah, I'm doing okay. He goes, that's great. He goes, Tim, get his butt off the court and give me a sub. I got a game to win. <laughs> Relentless. Relentless about winning, about winning and about competing. That's you, the, how many individuals do you know that always talk about the switch, the switch? These individuals, the switch never turns off. It may dim down a little bit. You know, you didn't, when you made your transition from Disney to this aspect of your life and business, you didn't turn off the switch. You may have just dimmed it down a little bit, but you know when to turn the dial back up. It takes too much energy to turn it all the way off and to flip it back on again. Did our mouth foamer live? Yes. Oh, he's doing fine. He's doing, he, yes, he, he's doing fine. He did live. He God did bless. live. 
Yes. All right. <laughs> tell me, tell me a little about winning. So the next book is called Winning the Unforgiving Race to Greatness. It comes out May 6th. May 18th. May 18th. Okay. Yes, sir. It comes out May 18th. Tell me about this book. Who is it for? What will readers get from this book? Well, this is winning has its own language. And it's kind of what we talked about earlier. Everybody thinks rainbow, uh, rainbows and sprinkles and confetti when they think about winning. No one wants to talk about what it actually takes to win and what's in that race to get there. And that's what this book is about. It's the truth about what it really takes to win. I speak in a tone that a lot of individuals are scared to talk to because they're worried about being judged. Just like we got on then, you talked about the dark side. There's a lot of people that will be like, I'm not, I'm not, ta- I'm not talking about that. But it's so crucial. Winning doesn't know who you are. Winning doesn't know. It doesn't care about your past. It doesn't care about what you're going through. It wants you to be laser, laser focused. And it doesn't come in with the terms that we all like to hear that, you know, get fired up or we're crushing it. And that, you know, everything you do is life changing. No, it's not. Language of winning has its own. It's uncivilized. It's unpolished. It's hard. It's nasty. That's the language of winning. But here's the crazy part. Winning is in all of us. It's in all of us. But people want to get invited to the party of winning without actually doing what it takes. And there's a lot of things that winning throws out there. It's going to throw a party, but it's not going to tell you where the time or place is. All right. Because you got to earn where that time, you got to earn where that place, you got to earn where that place is. You have to go through those things. You have to go through them over and over again. And one of the biggest concepts that we talk about in this book is winners and the greatest individuals I know, they don't manage time. They manage focus. There's a huge difference between the two. We have so many individuals out there that are constantly managing time. They're constantly managing time all the time when you should be managing focus. When you manage focus, how much more do you get done in that amount of time? And how well do you get it done? And that's what winning requires you to do. It's going to cause you to manage your focus. It's going to cause you to deal with the lack of balance in your life. You know, everyone wants, we all want to have balance in our life. We all do. But balance is different for each individual. Dave, what may be balanced for you may not be balanced for me. Balance is something that you create for yourself. And balance starts with the decrease of the unessentials in your life, the unessentials in your mind. And what we try to do is when we try to balance things, we try to add more. We try to add more because we're trying to keep everybody happy. We're trying to keep everybody fulfilled. And now you're the most unbalanced person out there. So getting closer to balance, getting closer to winning What do you have to delete in order to get in this race? Because if you come into this race with all this excessive baggage, not only physically and mentally, you're never going to be able to complete. You're never going to be able to complete it. You're just, you're just not. And once you complete that first win, you got to do it over again. 
you got to do it again. You got to do it again. You got to do it. And each win becomes a little bit more difficult. Think, I'll give you a great example. I'm going, going back to your movie, your, 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 your movie career at Disney. When you got, when this movie generated X amount of dollars, you were like, yeah, great. But then after that, you're like, the next movie's got to generate more. Yeah. And the next one's got to generate more. And the next one's got to generate generate more. So that's why I said you can only hold winning briefly. You can only hold it briefly because individuals like yourself and the people that win constantly, that understand the language of winning, know what it takes to win over and over and over again. And this book teaches you the path that you must take in order to find those wins in every part of your life. So good. So good. Tim Grover, you're a good dude, man. I'm so glad we finally got to connect. I feel like I've known you forever. And here we are, first time callers, first time in person on Zoom together. Thanks, man, for spending some time. If our audience is not yet immersed in your world, where can they follow you on social? Where can they go to find out more about any of the things that you offer, be it books or anything inside of the Relentless System or any of the coursework that you do? My Instagram handle is simple. It's at Tim Grover. And my website is timgrover.com. So it's easy to do. And I actually have a copy of the new book right here. Excellent. Look at that. That's a good looking book, man. Thank you. Thank you very much. All right. So we end each episode by asking our guests a single, maybe difficult question. And that is to pick just a single thing, a single takeaway with our audience could be an idea, a question, an actionable piece of advice. What is the single thing that you would leave our listeners with today? Winning is everything. Winning is everything. Every little win that you get in your life, every little winning that you get a chance to see, just think about how it makes you feel. When you see your favorite sports team win, when you see your kid win, when you see your significant other win, we can have that feeling all the time. We can have that feeling all the time, but you gotta stay in the race. Ah, thank you, Tim. Such a cool conversation. Ladies and gentlemen, as you are listening to this, would you do myself and Tim a favor? Take a picture of the device that you are listening to, tag myself and Tim in your social media feed so that we can thank you for sharing this episode with other people. And between now and next week, go out and fight for a win. Rise Together is hosted by me, Dave Hollis. This show is produced by Chelsea Harfouche and edited by Andrew Weller with production support by Sterling Coates. Cameron Berkman is our executive producer. Rise Together is a product of The Hollis Company.